The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Ephesians chapter number four for our scripture reading this morning. Ephesians chapter number four. Thank you so much for worshiping with us here at Ambassador Baptist Church this morning. We're continuing our series going through the portion of the Bible called Ephesians in a series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? And this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number four. You should have received a service program guide on your way in. Go ahead and pull that out. There's an outline that you can use to study with us as we look at God's word this morning. Please stand with me, if you would, as we read Ephesians chapter number four. We're going to read verse number 17 for our scripture reading this morning. We'll start in verse 17, and then we'll skip over to verse number 22. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Skip over to verse number 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. So really, let's zone in on that phrase. He's telling us to put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That ye, get this, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands that thing which is good, that may, he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now let's look at chapter 5 and verse number 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This morning, pastors are going to bring a message simply entitled, I Am New. One of the dangers of trying to preach through a book of the Bible is the fact that you don't necessarily get everything in its full context in one sitting. And, and that's kind of the danger of taking several weeks and months to teach through a book of the Bible. When the Apostle Paul originally penned this book to the church at Ephesus, to the people of the Ephesians here, he was assuming that they would basically be taking it all in in one sitting. And so they would get a very full context to what was being taught and what was being preached. Now, here at Ambassador Baptist Church, we're kind of going passage by passage by passage. And the danger is that we get to chapters number four, chapters number five, and chapters number six, and we forget the context of chapters number one, chapters number two, and chapters number three. I want you to see here in verse 17, it says this. This I say, therefore. Now, remember, when, whenever we use that word, therefore, we have to see what it's there for. So what he's about to teach us connects us to what he's already taught in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And he goes on to say, and testify in the Lord that ye, here's another word, 
henceforth or, or, or from here forward, because of what happened from here forward, you can now walk differently. So just in the way of reminder, let's take a quick moment. Chapters number one, chapters number two, and chapters number three of Ephesians told us who we are in Christ. Basically, in Christ, we have blank. And, and for three chapters, the Apostle Paul was trying to lay a doctrinal foundation of all that we have been given and all that we possess in Christ. And so in chapters number one, I, in Christ, am adopted. I, in Christ, am blessed. I, in Christ, am holy. I, in Christ, are sanctified. And, and verse after verse, chapter after chapter, the Apostle Paul was trying to remind us of who we are now that we are in Christ. So now we come to chapters number four, chapters number five, and chapters number six. And this is not so much about what we are in Christ, what we have. It's now, therefore, through Christ we can, all right? And that's the focus of chapters number four, chapters number five, and chapters number six. So chapters one through three, in Christ we have. In Christ we are. Chapters number four through chapters number six, through Christ we can. And so now the Apostle Paul is going to teach us what is possible because we're made brand new. And that's really the spirit of this particular sermon. If you're taking notes, the theme for this passage is simply this. Since we have everything we need in Christ, I think this is on the screen. Since we have everything we need in Christ, we are blessed. We are made righteous. We are made holy. Everything we need for life and godliness have been given to us in Christ. Since we have, let me, let's get interactive. Do we have a lot of what we need? Do we have most of what we need? Or does the Bible declare we have everything we need? Everything, all right? Since we have everything we need in Christ, everything we need to feel significant, everything we need for full satisfaction, everything we need to garner a sense of significance, a sense of self-worth, a sense of self-value, I don't have to look all these other places. Since we have everything we need in Christ, we can do everything we should through Christ, all right? So it is as we focus on what we already have in Christ that we are now inspired, we are now motivated, we now have the grace and strength to do everything we should do through Christ. And, and that is really the focus of how to live the Christian life in a functional, practical way. Can I say this? If, if, if you grew up in a religious ethic or a religious system that taught you all about just the second part of this statement, do A, do B, do C, do this, do that, do those two things, do these things, but never really emphasized what you already had because you're in Christ. You were left without motivation. You were left without grace. You were left without the strength to authentically live out the Christian life the way God desires for you to live. So since we have everything in Christ, that tells us chapters one through three, now chapters four, five, and six, now we can do everything we should through Christ, all right? Now, here's what's really interesting. How many of you were paying attention when Pastor Nick here was reading through the verses, verse 25 through 32? There's a lot of what theologians would refer to as the imperatives of Scripture, all right? The imperatives. You'll, you'll start seeing this. He says, put away lying. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. 
Verse uh, 28, uh, let him that steal, steal no more. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication. All right, verse 32, be kind. Verse 32b, be forgiving. And so there's all these imperatives. Now, let's just be honest for a second. And we're, this, and I need you to kind of think if we're really going to understand this. If you just look at the particulars of the Christian faith, the, the things we just mentioned a moment ago, if, if that's all we look at when it comes to the Christian faith, it doesn't look that much different than many other religious ethical systems. I mean, let's just be honest. And, and whether we were talking about age, Asian uh, cultural or religious ethics like Confucianism or whether we were f- referring to maybe uh, New Age humanism or whether it was Greek paganism or whether it was Islam. To be honest, most of these other religious ethics would basically teach you the same thing. Hey, don't lie. Right? I mean, m- most religious ethics are going to teach that. Most of them are going to say, you know, don't steal. Okay? Most of them are going to say, be kind for the most part. You see, it is not the particulars that set us apart as Christians. And this is really big for us to get our heads around. Because there are people and they're like, man, I don't really understand how we're, we're really not any different than that group or this group. And, and, and here's why. Because Christianity, the particulars of Christianity don't look that different. However... Here's the difference, and and this is what I want you to get your head around. Um, Christianity is never interested in just moral behavior. And, And this is huge. The goal of Christianity is not behavioral modification. The moment behavioral modification becomes your end goal in the Christian ethic, you have in essence lost the Christian ethic. The Christian ethic, in its essence, is not behavioral modification, all right? Okay? Um, That is, Christianity is never interested in moral behavior simply for the sake of moralistic behavior. Where in any other religious ethic, it's like you, you don't need to steal because it's not good to steal. If we were to look at uh, some other religious system, you know, they would say, don't lie because you're, you're not supposed to lie. Uh, you know, uh, be kind because you're supposed to be kind, you know, and there's just this morality for the sake of morality. Can I say this? That is not Pauline biblical scriptural Christianity. You see, the Pauline theology takes it somewhere different, all right? Now, notice verse 30 because I'm going to lay some groundwork. The Bible says in verse 30, in the midst of all these imperatives, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, all right? Now, I want you to think about this, all right? Basically, what Paul is going to talk about as he moves through this passage here is he is going to say, listen, it's not in its essence just about moral development or behavioral modification. The Christian ethic is very different because it says, don't just look at being better for the sake of being better. He says, look at, look at who you now are. He's agreed not the Holy Spirit that's in you. You now, you now have something in you that these folks don't do. You are different. You are new. That's why in, in here in verse number 32, he says, forgive even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. So it's not just about morality for the sake of morality. It's about recognizing, no, I, I've got a different spirit in me. I have, the, I have the spirit of God in me. Jesus Christ did so, for, for, so much for me. Now I can respond to that. 
There is a different place that that morality comes from, and it is in recognizing that at our very essence, at our very core, we are something different. Not just that we should do something different. The Christian ethic, at its core, understands that we are absolutely, significantly different than we were the moment before we got saved. And that is what makes Christianity so different. That is to say this, remember your identity. This is why here in verse number 23, Paul's going to say, hey, I want you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, you, you want to you you see development take place? It's all going to start right here. It's going to start right here in your heart. Remember your identity. Remember that you have a new spirit inside of you. Remember that Christ died for you. He's given you so much. And because he has given you much, you are now able, in a way you couldn't before, to do what you never thought was possible. Remind yourself of who you are now that you're a Christian. Realize who now lives in you. That's the spirit of God. You're a new creature. You are different. Recognize who lives through you and remember all that he's done for you. You see, that is the place through which a Christian authentically blossoms. So here's the question where do you live? Is your mindset one of, I got to do this and I got to do this because this is good and this is right and I should do this? Or is your mindset one of, this is, this is who I am? I am not a thief, I'm not a gossip. That's not who I, that's the old nature. God says I'm new. I'm something different based on what God declares me to be. And you see, that's the renewing of your mind, reminding yourself, remembering, constantly reinforcing that you are not who you used to be. Like we said a few weeks ago, you are not a sinner if you are in Christ. You are a saint who may at times happen to sin, but you're not a sinner. And this is hugely important to understand because it is out of your identity that spiritual formation and sanctification can really begin to develop. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach. You're going to see this in the book of Romans. You're going to see this in the book of Galatians. You'll see this in the book of Ephesians that our life has to flow out. Our doing flows out of deeply understanding and deeply reminding ourselves and deeply reinforcing the realities of who God says that we are. See, some of you are trying to change but you're trying to change, I got to do this and my wife wants me to do that and my husband wants me to do that and I think the church wants me to do this and I think, I think the pastor wants me to do those things and I think I should and I think it's probably good and I'm just saying this, that's futile. That, that's never going to work long term. If you want to see ultimate change, then we've got to come to a Pauline perspective that says, wait a second, I need to understand who I now am in Christ. And that's what this passage here is going to teach. This is the secret. It's a difference. This is what makes Christianity totally radical than every other religion. Because every other religion says do. And Christianity says done. Not just your salvation, but your sanctification is already, already working. God has already given you a new identity. He's already given you a new essence. He's already made you new. The question is, are you living like who you are? That, that's really where the rubber meets the road. So let's just dive into this, starting in verse number 22. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, put off concerning the former conversations the old Man, okay, so the Apostle Paul is talking to believers, he's talking to Christians there in Ephesus, we've done a lot of the history and the context and the background as to the, the paganism that exists in many of their lives before they got saved, and here's what Paul is saying, 
Put it off. Put it off, all right? Put off this old man. Put him off. Now, now let me say this. The old man or the old self manifests himself in two ways. If you want to take notes on this, there's two ways that the old man manifests himself. Uh, I think it's there in your notes. It manifests itself in unrighteousness. And it manifests itself in self-righteousness. That is to say, there are some people, they're old man, they're just, it's lying and stealing and lust and gossip and cheating. It's all the works of the flesh manifest in just, just unrighteousness. And I think most of us kind of understand that's bad. Okay? But that's not the only part of your old man. You see, for many people in the Christian world, their old man does not manifest itself in unrighteousness. In fact, I would say that the majority of the people here today, that most of the time when you struggle with your old man, you are not struggling with with unrighteousness. Some might be, and if you are, there's hope for you. But in church world, oftentimes the way the old man manifests itself is not through unrighteousness, but through self-righteousness. You say, what is self-righteousness? righteousness self-righteousness is where you are doing what is right on the outside dotting your eyes crossing your t's walking the walk talking the talk going to church shaking hands saying amen all the things that good christian people are supposed to do but you're doing it with a wrong heart that is self-righteousness that is to say you say what's a wrong heart it's where we're doing it with motives that is not the glory of god we're doing it because we want to get a pat on the back we want pastor to notice we want our friends down the pew to think we're really awesome the motives can be a plethora of things it could not just be our motives it could be our values you know we're doing all the right things but we're doing it with wrong values that is well i'm doing this look the bible says to do it and yet we don't even realize what is actually motivating this right behavior is a wrong set of values and so what's driving these good behaviors, quote unquote, is not a heart that's seeking after God, not a heart that longs for God, not a heart that desires intimacy with God, but deep down as we pull back the layers of our heart, we we realize that what is actually driving this behavior are values that are not aligned with what the scriptures teach and the values that Jesus Christ had. And so self-righteousness is me having a veneer of righteousness, a veneer of doing right, going through the motions, but having motives that are not aligned with Scripture, having values that are not consistent with who the person of Jesus Christ was. It is having attitudes that are misguided. It's having worldviews that interpret information in a way that's inconsistent from what the scriptures teach. And so this is where, this is how the old man tends to manifest himself in this group right here. Not through heinous unrighteousness. The way that it often gets manifested is through pious self-righteousness. The right surface but it's being driven from all the wrong places. And that is self-righteousness. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Put it away. Put it away. The old man in unrighteousness and the old man in self-righteousness. And I I don't have time to go any further into that distinction there. Here's what Romans 6 verse 6 says. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ. Get this. Paul says the old man, your old man, he's, uh, the, your, 
unrighteous self and your self-righteous self, he says that man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, we should not serve, or we could say not be in bondage to sin. Can I say this? Your old self is dead. It doesn't exist anymore. If you are in Christ, that is no longer who you are. And you need to start reminding yourself and reinforcing in your mind and just emphasize this. That's not who I am anymore. I know I'm living in a way that's inconsistent with what God says, but that's not me. It's not. That's not the real me. When I gossip and when I slander and when I steal and when I lust, that is an old man that was crucified, that was put to death, and I'm not under that bondage anymore. That is not me. And begin to preach, your, preach to yourself who God declares you to be. You are a new creature. You are not who you used to be. You are not your past. You are not your peers. You are not what people tell you you are. God says you are new. And preach that to yourself. Remind yourself of that. In Christ, I'm not who I used to be. Therefore, in Christ, I don't have to act like I used to act. I'm free. I'm free indeed. We can put off the old man because we are new. This is our hope. Not, not our self-power, not our discipline, not our willpower, not our ability to do better than somebody else. Here's your, here's your hope. Your hope is that Jesus Christ already made you brand new the moment you fully placed your faith, trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So put off the old man, number two. Here's what he says in verse number 24. And that ye put on the new man. All right? which after God is created in righteousness, notice this little phrase, and true holiness. True holiness. What Paul is trying to help us understand is there is a holiness that is not real. There is a righteousness that appears good, that appears to be right, that, may, that logically says, oh, that's holiness, that's good, that's righteous. And Paul is saying, no, there is such thing as a false holiness. There is such thing as an untrue holiness, a facade of something, but it is not being driven by the Spirit of God working in and through the life, affecting the heart and the motives and the values and the worldview and the attitudes and everything that makes up the heart. You see, our actions aren't coming from that place and the Spirit of God changing that. It just comes from our, our self-discipline, our willpower, our ability to do something better than the person down the road does it. And that, the Bible says, is not true holiness. In, in fact, uh, in one Bible passage, it calls it having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It has, the, it has a facade like it's real, but it's not. It denies something very real underneath. And the Bible says put on the new man, which is after true holiness. So here's the, here's the million-dollar question as we kind of wrap this up. How do we put on the new man, Right? I mean, that's the question. How, how, do, how do we do this? If I need to, rec- I need to put on this new man, I, I put off the old man and his unrighteousness, put off the old man and his self-righteousness, how do I put him on? The, the key to this entire passage is found in verse number 23. This is how. Notice what it says. By being renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
You say, how do I put off the old man and put on the new man? It is by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Juxtapose that against verse number 17, where the Bible says, don't walk as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So he, Paul is saying the Gentiles, the one that are living in unrighteousness and self-righteousness, they're walking in the vanity of their mind, thinking what they want to think and just all that. And, and Paul comes along and says, no, if you're going to put on the new man, this thing is going to take place when you are renewed in the spirit of your mind. You say, what does that mean? It simply means this, remind yourself of who you are in Christ every single day. Renew your mind daily. Every day, remember who God says that you are. Realize that you're not your old person. You're not your old man. He has changed you, your very essence, your very core. You are now a new man. And remind yourself of that again and again and again. Reinforce that identity again and again and again. I am blessed and I am holy. And I am, and go through and just chapters one, two, and three and preach yourself that gospel every single day and ask God, say, God, remind me of who I am afresh and anew today because that is how you put on your new man and then as you do that allow the holy spirit to prompt and just let him lead you every day being renewed in your mind Uh, the apostle paul also does this in the book of romans for 11 chapters to the church at rome there we see he preaches this is who you are in christ this is who you were before christ chapters one two and three this is now who you are in christ chapters four through eleven and then he gets to chapters number twelve and he says i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus Okay, so here's, you say, how do I put off the old man, put on the new man? It all starts in your mind. Reminding yourself, preaching to yourself, remembering afresh and anew, reinforcing who you are in Christ. I'm not my old man. I'm not a thief. I'm not a gossip. That's not who I am. I do that sometimes, but it's not who I am. I am holy. I am blessed. I am blameless. I am righteousness. God, please help me to believe that about myself. Here's what some of us is the reality is we don't actually believe it. And that's why it makes no impact in our functional practical lives. Because we don't actually believe what God says about us to be true. See, we tend to listen to our past. And it's hard for us to believe God and what he says about us. We we tend to listen to our peers. What they say about us rather than what God says about us. We tend to listen to our failures rather than listen to what God says about us. And here he's saying, put on the new man. So let's go through this really quickly. What does it say? Verse 25, how are we going to be renewed in our our minds? Verse 25 reminds us that we need to be reminded that your new man is honest. Be reminded that your new man is honest. That's verse number 25. Why? Speaking every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. The new man is honest. You're not a liar anymore. You're not deceitful anymore. That was your old man. Your new man is honest. And you need to remind yourself next time you, next time you wanna, you're tempted to, to lie, to, to cheat, 
tell falsehood with your tongue. Reminder, that's not who I am. That's not me. The new man is honest. That's who I am. In Christ, I'm honest. That's the reality. And renew your mind. Remind yourself afresh and anew that is who you are. Your new man in Christ is honest. Verse 26. 26. Be reminded that your new man is a peacemaker. In those moments where you want to cause division and and conflict and and you don't want to reconcile a relationship for whatever reason, can I just remind you that in Christ you are a peacemaker. No matter how bad that other person has been, no matter what those people have done to you, in Christ your new man is a peacemaker. Be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Reconcile that thing. Make peace with that thing. Why? The Apostle Paul, be renewed in your mind. That is who you now are. You used to run from conflict. You used to get upset with conflict. You used to let that conflict bother you. And here's what the Bible says. That's not you anymore. You are a peacemaker. That is who you are in Christ. You resolve conflict. That is who you are in Christ. Be reminded that your new man is not what it used to be. Verse number 28. Be reminded that your new man is diligent. Your old man was lazy. Your old person was a slacker. Before salvation, there were moments and and you were selfish because you cared about you. And here's what the Bible says. Let him that steals, steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good. Notice this, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Can I say this? Your new man is generous, that he could give. You you see, your old man was stingy. Your old man hoarded because it was selfish. It, it it, It was controlling. But that's not who you are. You see, according to the Bible, you're a new person. You're not who you used to be. You are now diligent you are now one, and, and here's the, you're like, well, I was kind of diligent before I got saved, but now you can be diligent for the right reasons. That's the difference. I'm not saying that, well, before I got saved, you're saying I was lazy, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for the first time, now that you're in Christ, you can be diligent for the right reasons. I'm going to be honest, there was nobody in here who was, being, who was being diligent before they were saved for the right reasons. See, a lot of you worked really hard and you did really well at your jobs and you did it so you could make more money, so you could be more comfortable, so you could make yourself more happy, so you could feel more safe. But it wasn't based on 1 Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. There was not a person in here who before Christ, before they were saved, were like, I'm I'm laboring hard today and I'm doing it for the glory of God. Nobody here did. In fact, even after salvation, some of us many really struggle with that. And, and so what this passage is teaching, it's saying, you're a new person. Not only can you do the right things, but now you have the potential to do them for the right reasons. You can do them with the right heart. You couldn't do that before Christ, but now you can. You used to, you say, well, I, I, I used to get things right when I had conflict before I got saved. Yeah, but you did it for the wrong reasons. You did it so somebody would like you. You did it because you just, you didn't like how it made you feel to, to have that going on, that drama. But, but it wasn't to glorify God so, 
so he could see Christ and Christ could be made big in the world in which we live. You see, what Christ does is he doesn't, he doesn't just change our behavior. He changes the reason we have our behaviors. He literally changes us from the inside out. Let's keep going. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication, specifically speaking, like gossip, proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I want to say this, be reminded that your new man speaks encouragement. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You are not a gossip anymore. I'm not saying that you never gossip. I'm just saying that's not who you are. In Christ, you are a person of encouragement. In Christ, you are a person who affirms. That is who the Spirit of God, and that's why the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit, because that's what the Holy Spirit's gonna try to do through you. The Holy Spirit is gonna have you be diligent for the right reasons, in the right way, with the right purposes, and that's what the Spirit of God is gonna lead you to do. And so the Apostle Paul says don't grieve that Spirit. That's what he's teaching. He's saying, hey, listen, don't let those corrupt communication. That's not what the Holy Spirit is trying to do through you. He's not trying to slander that lady down the pew. He's not trying to kind of get a a one-up on that other person in the office. Not trying to cut down with our tongues what this person does and what that person does. And looking for ways to argue and looking for ways to... No, that is not who you are anymore. You're not that old man. You are new. And when you allow that slandering and that gossip and that just... it's, It's like just it's horrible that spews out of our mouth we cut people down and we belittle them that's not you when that is happening that is an old man and the apostle paul says hey i want you to i want you to i want you to be renewed in your mind that's not you anymore you are new you speak encouragement the new man speaks affirmation the new man is building people up that is what the new man does Verse 31, let all bitterness, you're not bitter anymore, that's the old man. You can be at peace and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. The Apostle Paul is saying those are all manifestations of an old man and that isn't who you are anymore. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching. That's an old man. That old man was crucified. That old man is dead. And you are no longer in bondage to, the, to that old man. You're free in Christ. Now, because of what Christ has done in you, what Christ did for you on the cross, when you stare deeply at the cross, this is how you renew your mind. Look at the cross. Remind yourself what Christ did for you and giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Dying on the cross, taking the punishment for your sin upon himself. You soak in that. You be renewed in the spirit of your mind and you're gonna give a place for the, for the, for the spirit of God now to lead you into all righteousness. To lead you into a life that will honor him, not just the right actions, but with the right motives, with the right values, with the right perspective, with the right worldview, not just outwardly right, but holistically healthy and spiritual. Verse 32 Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Be reminded that your new man is kind, your new man is forgiving. Your new man here is tender-hearted. You're not, you're, not, you're not mean anymore. Can I just say that? Whenever there's meanness that flows out of you, that is your old man. When there is not graciousness and kindness, the word tender-hearted just means, it means sensitive. 
thinking of other people's feelings. You're tender. You're not storming. You know, just there's a tenderness. That's who your new man is. When Christ is in control, when you're not grieving the Holy Spirit, when he's able to live his life through you because you're renewing your mind daily, you're preaching who you actually are in Christ, you're putting on the new man every moment of every day, that's what you will be because that's who Christ is. Notice this, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You say, what is the motive? The mo- do I do all these things for what I'll get out of it? No, you do all these things because that's what God did for you. You're kind because Christ was kind to you when you didn't deserve his kindness. You speak well because Christ has spoken words of life over you before you deserved it. And it is because of what Christ has done for you that you do it for others. Not because of that person, not because of those people. You do it for him. Even as Christ also did this for you, so you now can do it for others. He's living his life through you as you're renewing your mind here daily. Now, notice chapter number five. I want you to see this. But fornication, fornication is unlawful sexual activity. And uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named once among you as become a saints. Notice what it says here as we keep moving. Verse number eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I want to remind you next that you are, you are, be reminded that your new man is pure, not impure. For 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not he will become, not he will be. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. I want you to see this for yourself. You are new in Christ. And you need to renew your mind every day. If you are in Christ, you are not who you used to be. And therefore, you don't have to live like you used to live. You're free from that bondage. You just have to believe it by faith. You know why we struggle? You know why I struggle? Because don't, I don't believe it. I, I, I know it, academically, intellectually, but I don't actually believe it. And oftentimes you don't actually believe it, and that's why we don't see the victory. The Bible tells us that faith is the victory that overcometh the world. It is your belief. It is their lack of faith that limits the victory that you're experiencing in your daily life. So where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Get in the word. Be at church. Listen to preaching. Open your Bible. Study good books that have deep doctrinal emphasis as why. So you can be filled with faith. A faith that will transform your life from the inside out. So put off the old man. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's not who I am anymore. Put on the new man. What's the new man? The new man is true holiness. The new man reminding and reinforcing and remembering who God declares you to be in Christ. Chapters number one. Chapters number two and chapters number three and let me end it with this the old man isn't you anymore it isn't you so remind yourself daily that you are brand new and no longer have to live like you used to live 
Can I say, your hope is not in your willpower. Your hope is not in your discipline. Your hope is in the reality that Jesus Christ declares that you are new in Christ. That is your hope. And it's time that we take the, the, with a spirit of faith and we, we appropriate the grace that is already ours in the person of Christ. And in that is our victory. You say, well, give me five steps to a better this or three steps to a better that. Let me give you one step. It's Jesus. That's your step. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and let him preach his gospel to you every single day. I'm going to try to do my best to preach it to you on Sundays. I really am, and I try to every week. But can I say this? It's not enough. You need more of the gospel preached to you than just what you're getting on Sunday mornings. You need the good news of who Christ declares you to be preached to your soul, your heart, and your mind every single day. Man, preach it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You say, I got temptations, and I've got this, and I've got that. Remind yourself, that's not who, that's not who you are. It's not you. It's a lie. It's an illusion. It's not you. You are in Christ who Christ declares you to be. And believe it by faith. You are a new creature. And because you are a new creature, you now can live like a new creature. Man, what what an incredible truth. What an incredible, incredible thought that we are already new because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary for us. And let's, 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 let's meditate on that for a moment. Let's ponder that for a moment. And let's really allow this reality that we are new seep in. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.